Hi and welcome to this new episode of Dreamers and Doers where I interview people who follow their passion and use it to make the world better. And I think that's me. So I'll interview myself today for episode number 50. So that's a bit of a celebration today. 50 episodes now of Dreamers and Doers. And the theme of the interview today is ayahuasca. And that's something I've been curious about for a while. So I will start with a little disclaimer because ayahuasca is a substance that is a drug and it's illegal in most countries in the world and it's a very um, powerful substance so you want to be well first check with laws because I would never recommend something illegal and also you want to really respect the fact that it's uh, even if it's legal in your country it's something that can be pretty scary that can really change your mind so you got to be really careful around how you use it i also say that because i'm a good uh i'm a good citizen and i respect the law i won't give any precision about who i did it with where and when but uh, i'll talk about my experience but of course if you know me i'm a good citizen i have done it in a legal environment i would never do anything that's illegal so that's the disclaimer uh basically don't do it <laughs> disclaimer and then you do what you want so what is it uh what's ayahuasca so ayahuasca as i said it's um, um it's classified as a drug and it's like a tea so it's it's made from uh, a certain leaf and a certain vine that you find both in uh, the Amaz Amazonian forest, I think, or in this area. So it's, it mainly comes from around Peru and Brazil. Uh, I'm not an expert in it, but just to give you quickly the idea, you drink a tea and it's a psychedelic. So drink tea, drinking that tea will make you enter a very, very different state of consciousness than uh, the normal awakened like waking state of consciousness uh, that we consider as the, the the usual one and in that state of consciousness your your mind expands a lot your consciousness um, expands to way beyond your usual identity and the feeling from a normal perspective is that you've lost your mind and that's what gets it a little bit scary but yeah basically it's been used for thousands of years now in those indigenous tribes of amazonia and um yeah i'm not a specialist of it but it's used as a ritual especially to connect with uh, mother nature so ayahuasca is often called the mother and the idea is uh, you connect with mother earth so it's a way to communicate more directly with mother earth now how i got into it because <laughs> to be fair i don't know a lot of people around me well i know more now but for until like two years ago i didn't even know what ayahuasca was i didn't really know anyone who had done it now i know a lot of people who do due to the fact that i'm more in uh, mindful circles but yeah so how i got into it because my my background i'm from paris did a business school isn't especially spiritual uh, isn't especially into drugs either so i got into it i'd say 
the one person that really got me into it is Tim Ferriss. So I've been quite a fan of Tim Ferriss for like the past eight years or so, more and more. And he's the one that introduced me to meditation and he's the one that introduced me to psychedelics. And since then, I've listened to Joe Rogan, Aubrey Marcus, Sam Harris. So a lot of those podcasters uh, talk about psychedelics and what used to be to me an idea of like, oh, drug is bad and I would never be a junkie, um, which is something that's completely valid for depending on what kind of drugs you're going to use and what uh, what's going to be your intention or your approach when you use the drug. Um, I Listening to these smart people who had studied the topics made me change a bit my mind on uh, psychedelics in general. So uh, that's when I started experimenting with the LSD, with DMT, uh, with mushrooms and um, an amazing book on it also, Michael Pollan, How to Change Your Mind. And he experiments with this. He's like in his, in his 50s and uh, he documents it really, really well. So I encourage you to read that book too. But basically, I got into it from a very rational, heady, intellectual point of view, which was, um, which is the same road I took to start meditation, which was to to see that training your mind and understanding understanding your mind was probably one of the best decisions I could do if I wanted to be happy and also to achieve. So both like for me to use my emotions better and also then in the way I interact with the world to be more focused, uh, to be more free and to be more efficient. So I started meditation about three years ago and I experimented for the first time with psychedelics about two years ago. And um, what I would say is it's probably a really good idea to have a bit of experience with meditation before you do any psychedelics. Because, well, a lot of people do, so first what's psychedelics? It's mainly mushrooms, LSD, uh, DMT, ayahuasca. So these drugs that are gonna change your state of consciousness and um, you're going to hallucinate, you're going to see things and then um, using the things you're going to interpret them in a certain way. So yeah, I think it's really good to have inquired, uh, looked into your mind, see how your mind works. Because if you're over identified with the mind thinking like, if you think you are the mind, then when you lose your mind, you're going to have a really bad time. Well, if you don't identify that much just with the mind, not either with the body, but more um, identify with the awareness of the mind and body. So if you know you who you are, you are that awareness, then the experience becomes way better, in my opinion, and there's way more to integrate. So when you do an experience like this, it's about uh, knowing why you do it, doing it then, and then integration is super important. So there are a lot of people who do these drugs in a non-conscious way. And I think you got to be very careful because it plays, plays with your mind, can get you a bit crazy. Uh, but I think if you feel you're ready, it can be something attractive to do it in a conscious way. And the way to do it in a conscious way is to, do it, to prepare it well. So I had my friend Henry, when I did a Facebook post, he asked, what's the best way to prepare? The two very important things when you prepare a psychedelic experience are set and setting. So set is your state of mind. Like 
what's your state of mind when you're doing it? Do you feel good? Do you feel grounded? Because if you're like depressed or if you're really not grounded, you don't know what you do with your life um, and you go into it as an escape, it's going to be really tough and you're probably going to have a hard time integrating what you've learned. The second thing is setting. So set is about more the internal part, where you're at. Setting is about your environment because when you're into that state, you want to be in a, in a safe environment, meaning like being in nature is good, um, not being interrupted and being with people you trust because you can easily get paranoid, especially if you have a fear of being a junkie or almost a hippie like I had the first time I did it. And, um, and then if you start become a bit paranoid about I'm going to get arrested or these things, well, then you're just going to have a really bad experience. So you want to be with people you trust and your environment you trust. That's like so important. So set and setting, that's the best ways to prepare. And then if you're a bit intellectual, heady like me, I listen to uh, a lot of books. So I talk about like a lot of podcasts from Tim Ferriss, Sam Harris, Joe Rogan, um, uh, yeah, and others reading Michael Pollan. James Fadiman is a really good one to listen to. I did an article uh, referencing, there's like really good TED Talks um, about, about this. So you can ask me if you want but if you look into the unlocked blog i did an article referencing a lot of podcasts and ted talks about that topic so you can look into this so you know a bit more what to expect and why someone would do that right so then to go on why i did it at like doing it like this at that moment let's say um for me so I'm first I'm just very curious I'm very curious to see what's in my mind how my mind works and lately I've been interested in looking into what Carl Jung calls the shadow which is the part of you that you kind of put under the rug under the carpet so it's the things that uh, scare you mainly and I wanted to to explore the whole of who I am I felt it was uh, I felt at the moment I'm in a really good place, but that is the next evolution of my personal growth. So I did it for this reason and also um, so looking into my mind and also for me, it's uh, uh, training my mind a bit like meditation. It's like an exercise to a bit like a warrior's exercise, being in a challenging situation and see how I can cope with that challenging situation. And um, the, th the last part for me is um, with what I'm doing, like I consider myself as a human guinea pig. I explore unknown territory for people and they can look at it as a social experiment. I just find it cool. So uh, I think more and more people are interested in ayahuasca. So I felt like it was a professional obligation <laughs> for me to test it and to give a testimonial around it. To, um, to help people if it's something they consider. Because um, I know for me, listening to people who had done it and seeing them as potential inspiration on how I could get into it in a healthy way was helpful. And I want to be helpful too. That's why I'm doing this. And that's why I did the experience. So now let's go to the juicy part and the experience in itself. So, I did two nights and it's the trip is about five, six hours. 
and it's really good to so i was in uh, the countryside somewhere and it's really good to get away from from work from your worries you really want to do it as a retreat so i took a weekend away in the countryside no phone no work and i did it with people i uh, well some of the people i didn't know but the person that organized so the shaman uh, was someone i had talked to and that i trusted and uh, this particular experience you have a shaman it's like a guide who's going to play some music who's going to put the right atmosphere who's going to call on your who's going to call on the um, uh, the guides and the, the spirits of ayahuasca and who's going to do it well you want to have someone that's been trained for this tradition has spent like 10 10 years with a master in south america so um, you want to take it seriously and that's how i did it so we were just a small group, uh, three people, including the shaman the first night, four people the second night. But I know these experiences attract people who are really beautiful people. And the atmosphere you, you are in is an atmosphere of love and non-judgment. And it's just really beautiful. So I did two nights. And the point of the two nights is you can learn from your first experience and go straight to the second experience you know it's like um, if you want to learn wakeboarding it's better to do like or like let's say you want to learn kite surfing it's better to take a week and do every day a few hours rather than doing seven days and one year apart because if you do one day then wait a year and do another day you're going to have um, you're going to lose the learnings of the first day. So you're not going to make progress. So here the idea was the same. It's like to do the first night and then straight away the second night so I can apply what I learned from the first night. And that was actually a very, very good idea. You will see why as I go through my experience. So the first night, um, my intention was to was acceptance. So, you know, I talked quickly about how um, recently looked into my shadow, you know, not trying the ideas. Like I was a bit shying away from the things that make me uncomfortable, power, sex, money, and being like trying to be the light to be that great guy, but then repressing some parts of me and judging them. So this one was really about non-judgment, accepting myself as a whole, looking to everything I am, and giving love and compassion to even what we sometimes uh, see as ugly but shouldn't. That's why I'm a lot into Tantra recently. It's like Tantra is that philosophy of seeing um, the whole of you as sacred, not just the things that are considered as beautiful by society in general. So, so first night was about acceptance, um, accepting the whole of who I am, and non-judgment but obviously this intention prepared me for a rough one because i went into it really like i'm gonna dive into it and let the the mother uh see the whole of me and take me in a way you know so i was ready for that but mm, it was intense like big time so to give you more details well first i pushed it a bit because after an hour and a half into the trip, you can have more. 
And I decided to have more because I like to, I'm someone I just like to push things a bit. I'm curious, right? And so I like almost a little bit cocky in that way. And so I had two, um, like let's say one and a half because you take only a half after. And um, yeah, I like from, you kind of remember quite a lot and at the beginning I was okay, but then I was like, okay, let's dive into it. And what I did is I really looked into all my fears and I'll give you a few examples. So uh, one of my fears, for example, is to be crazy. And uh, I looked into, you know, my life recently and how much everything that I am, all my identity is built on something like my identity in the world is built on something that's pretty shallow. Like, you know, if it's your job or your interest, all these things are going to change. And uh, like for me, like really losing my mind, like, like that was like, have I lost my mind? So that's a fear that into me, that's into me is like, shit, I have become crazy. And then when you look into it, like crazy doesn't really mean anything. We're all kind of a bit crazy in a way, but uh, having the awareness of that can be crazy, can be scary, sorry. So that's one example. Uh, another one that's going to be very vulnerable for me to talk about this one. Uh, an another fear I have is to have repressed homosexuality. And I know that's, um, that's a topic for men. Like we can have, like we've, we've gone a long way, you know, like we went more into acceptance of this, but it's still very taboo, at least for how I was educated, that I could have uh, homosexual desires. Now, I, like, I have them coming into my mind sometimes. And the thing is, I don't over-identify with the mind. So that doesn't mean I'm a repressed homosexual, or that doesn't mean I even really have the desire and I haven't had that much so far. But I can see that if, like, the idea of it happening is bothering me a bit and I'm judging it. And that's the thing. So now I don't know what I'll do from this, but what I want to make sure I'm doing is that I... If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. And, you know, I'm, I might. And that's cool. Um, but I know it goes against some programming of, of me and my identity. So I like at some point I was thinking about this too. And it was scaring me. And there's no reason for it. So it's very good in terms of awareness to, to have this. And um, But yeah, I, like that's another part where you like you lose your identity because your sexuality is, is linked quite strongly to your identity. So I'm cool with it, but I know, I know there's a part of me that had, and that still has a bit of judgment. And it's not about judging the judgment. Like it's fine because <laughs> then you can enter a loop. You're like, oh, I'm judging. I'm such a bad person. No, it's just like, it's there. And um, you're, it's always good to be aware of it. I'm aware that I have that judgment and by being aware of it and not judging the judgment, I have that judgment disappear. Um, another big fear is linked to the craziness is how much lately I've been like taking leaps of faith and made life beautiful and become more spiritual, but it fears to become crazy to a point that you're completely not grounded and you don't have any sense of what reality is. And so part of it for me was suicide. Um, again, like super vulnerable for me to talk about it. But the reason I talk about that now in a podcast is because I think these things are part of us. 
the shadow, we usually put it under the rug, under the carpet, and the more you repress these things, the more they control your life. So I think by me exposing myself and doing it, I give you permission to think it's okay if you have some of these things. Um, but yeah, if you take suicide, like I'm, I'm one of the happiest person you've met. I'd never consider it when uh, I'm in my normal state of consciousness. But then I was like, whoa, it's, um, it's so beautiful how trusting the universe makes life better and how becoming more spiritual and connected with the spirit um, makes made my life better. And I, I, I feel like I should keep doing my life with lips of faith. And then that dark thought came in my mind, which was like, well, what's the next, what's the next leap of faith? If you really believe you're more than this physical realm, it is, and then came to my mind would be like to commit suicide because then uh, it's an ultimate leap of faith that leads to the beautiful things you get after that leap of faith. And you can, I could see, oh, I have a resistance to it. And I'm all about going outside the comfort zone. So that's outside my comfort zone. And, um, and yeah, that's obviously, again, like, it was interesting because the reason why I freaked out and the reason why you might think, shit, what is Alex talking about right now? That's like scary is I went into that place of over identifying with the mind. So the idea that this crossed my mind doesn't mean I want to act on it or doesn't mean like it's truth or it doesn't mean anything. It just means these are thoughts of you know, the collective consciousness that I don't have to identify with, but they cross my mind and they're there. And I don't want to over identify with them, but it's good to have awareness. So that's what happened during uh, this trip, the first night. And also at some point I felt I was trapped in a loop because you lose dimension of time. Basically it's like, um, if you've seen Inception, it's like you go to that place where uh, where the time is really slower, almost non-existent. You're like in the limbo part of inception. And then the idea is like, oh, I can decide at some point to go back to that physical realm. But where in that state of consciousness, you feel your physical realm is not real. And that reality is that more spiritual realm, which makes you ponder if you want to come back actually, which is another fear. So really looking into my fears, um, really, really diving into me, but at a point where one of the breakthroughs I had was like, okay, Alex, it's cool to push it. It's cool to look for awareness, but do you have to go that far knowing that, um, you know, you can go pretty far into the, the twist of your mind, but in the end, it doesn't tell much about who you are and you shouldn't identify with it. So why spend a lot of time looking into that, right? And that will lead to my second intention of the second night. Um, yeah, another thing is like, I, I wasn't sure. The thing is when you lose your, your this, the identity and you question everything this way, I wasn't trusting the shaman, for example, at some point. I was like, is it a trap? I felt trapped when he's one of the most beautiful person I've ever met. And that's completely ridiculous not, uh, not to trust such a beautiful person. So I want to really emphasize on this. You have scary thoughts, but don't identify with them. And they are not truth. It's good to see it. Okay, that's in my mind. But like the fact I didn't trust that person, for example, was like my intuition is like, that's a, such a beautiful person, I trust them. So it was actually telling me my mind is sometimes playing tricks and I prefer to, and when I don't listen to my intuition and be, I'm too much caught in my head, 
then um, I become blind, you know? So that was uh, really interesting. And, and being in that loop, sometimes I was waking up, I need to be alone. And then two seconds later, I'm like, actually, I want to be with the group. So you change your mind all the time. Very, very, very agitated. So letting my mind go in free flow like this, I was like, no, it's not, it's not how I want to live. Like, I don't want to have my mind. Like the mind, if you let it be a wild horse, is going to be like, yeah, pretty bad. I mean, that's how most people live their lives too. They have thoughts and thoughts all the time that don't tell anything about you, but you are very identified with it and they, they rule your life. Like it can be, it can be really bad. So, um, so yeah, in the end, rough experience and how I ended it, I came back to the ceremony and I was like, like a little child that's been fighting with his mother, I was like surrendered and just <laughs> went into my blanket and I was like, okay, I, I, I surrender just like, you know, like a, really like a little child, very humbling experience. Um, also, I, I purge. So part of the experience, most of the time is you're going to vomit and have diarrhea. So not the nicest, but it's kind of part of um, letting go of surrendering and, and doing the things that are a bit, um, uh, you know, that you see as dirty, but uh, doing it without judgment, you know. So basically, I could not handle the energy. I could not handle it on the first night. I went to those dark places. And it's fine because it gives me awareness and I could see the judgment I have on many things. And I talked about me, but also a lot of judgment on other people. Like I was judging other people and I could see that clearly. And it's fine, but like seeing this was really, really good in terms of awareness. But that leads me to why I thought it was really good to do two nights. It's like first night was about awareness, going fully into it and, and uh, yeah, really diving into it, letting me, it take me. But then the second night was about, okay, now I want to do a night when I'm more in control, when I'm handling it. And with control, there's like good and bad control, right? Like I'm not talking about control, like being a control freak and controlling everything in your life, but I'm talking about, um, to me, it's like a dance, you know? When you dance with someone, you let the other person uh, control sometimes and you follow the other person so you're not completely closed and be like I'm in control but you also take part you're an actor in it you're not just being a victim and uh, letting this the thing completely rule everything over you you're part of it you're an actor so it's about that co-creation really and the second time that's what I embodied so for that second night well first I'll talk more about the the beautiful part of the trip that I, I had also these parts on the first night so I may I exaggerate a bit like the one tough experience the second beautiful one it's not that black and white but I'll talk about that for my second night but I'll talk about uh, what the shaman told me and what really helped because it was really good guidance he was like hey you know yesterday um, you were very agitated and so it'd be good that you just stay still and sit because you stay like in a meditation kind of lotus position and sit for like, um, so try to stay and come back to the breath instead of having my mind be like, get up, like do that, do that, start shouting, start like, ex you know, I was um, expressing a lot, which is okay, but uh, the second night was like, okay, I can handle it. I'm a, it was a bit like, it felt a bit like a ritual to me to go from a child to an to a man and being like okay you can alex you can handle that you know 
you're a grown-up now and you can handle these situations. It's good to see your weakness, but now be that man you want to be, you know? And, and that was a powerful ritual. So second night, yeah, my intention was really to handle it. I can handle it. And the way to handle it is to not let the mind take me all anywhere it wants to. It's to be me, that awareness going back to the breath. And so basically the second I also I didn't push it. I just took the one cup at the beginning, which is the normal dose. And because I was such in a great place, I was like, do that training in the good place. Why do you have to always push it, push it? It's not always healthy to push it. Right. So I was already a lot outside my comfort zone. You always have where you do these kind of substances. Um, I wanted to be like the learning for me was to handle being outside my comfort zone, not just to be in a washing machine. Right. Like so more concretely, that second experience. Um, so it was about, yeah, also uh, the week, like three, four days prior that experience, I had what you call a Kundalini awakening, which is you start feeling really your energies in your, your energy in your chakras. And it can be something hard to handle because uh, you feel the energy of other people. You feel your energy when it, things drain you, when things uplift you. And as everything you discover, it can take a bit of time to learn how to manage it. So for me, it was also about learning to manage that energy. And so again, of course, it was very intense, right? It's always going to be very intense, but I had like so much pleasure in looking at the intensity of the experience and at the same time feeling I could handle it. Like it's a bit like when I do a nice bath and you go in a nice bath, zero degree, and you're like, your body wants to shiver and go all the place and your mind's like, what the fuck I'm doing here? Ah! And, but what you do is you're, you're there with your breath, with a deep breath, just be like. And that warrior spirit, that feeling of peace in the storm, is such a great feeling. Like you feel like really, yeah, that, you know, that like, the archetype was the one a bit of a either of a warrior that's very calm or even like a king on his thrones you know and being like super grounded super calm and loving at the same time so then um how i prepared it to is very good advice from the shaman was to imagine i was grounded so to me i was it was also really cold so to me it was i was a flame like a steady flame and that was breathing and I had roots on the ground and that was to prevent me from starting walking all around like and being agitated. So I was that mix of a flame and an, a tree and I was there, powerful, handling it like a tree, a flame, a warrior, a king. And you're there handling it and, and, and your mind all the time. So it's still intense Like you start drifting and then back to it through the breath. And a little bit like a little baby that learns to walk and goes like walk and fall and walk and fall and walk and fall and walk and fall. Like my training for the night was like my mind wants to go like away and I'm like, go back to the breath, go back to the breath, 
Go back to the breath. I freak out. Go back to the breath. I freak out. Go back to the breath. I freak out. Go back to the breath. And sometimes allowing the experience too. So when I can, when I could feel the mind was taking me to places where I would be slave, I was like, go back to the breath. But sometimes the the ayahuasca, the mother, the substance would take me to those beautiful places because it's not just that kind of struggle thing I talk about. It's also that such a beautiful experience because when you allow the substance to take you to those places of no time, of nothing, you become pure consciousness. Um, so it can feel a bit like being a cloud or being like just a pure explosion of light. And when you're this, it's just a feeling of ecstasy and peace, like psh, there's no you, there's just being, you know? And, and being in that state is really hard to describe, but it's beautiful. Yeah, one thing I should have said at the beginning of the podcast is, what, mo what everyone will say with a psychedelic experience is that it's what you call ineffable, which is really, really hard to describe. So whatever you hear here, when it's experience, it's completely different, right? Like there's no way you can feel what I felt through words, but I'm giving you the best I can. And so, yeah, it was that training of like, going back to a place and going back to the breath. I'm in, I'm in control, I can handle it. And then I see, hmm, where do you want to take me? And takes me to that place of pure love and to that beautiful place. And then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna let you take me there because that's also why I'm here. And uh, so you have entities that visit you and it can be like, um, you know, it can be snakes, it can be, um, so for example, the shaman sometimes will taking different forms and being like, uh, a certain archetype of someone or something can be a snake or an alien or something like this that's going, going to give me advice that's going to give me guidance um, so that's also the other part of the mother what you call the mother it can be tough sometimes a bit uh, graduating from being a child in the eyes of the mother to being a man but the mother is also showing you beautiful things about life uh, beautiful things about unconditional love and, and really taking you in its arms. So you feel like you're part of that whole. So you feel you're like your consciousness, you feel connected. You feel connected with other people, but with nature and, and the mother's really like, you're, you're, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm your mother, we're connected and, and everything's gonna be okay. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to describe, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful and um, and you remember it so um, yeah and oh yeah part of my practice also was I told you I breathe every time I was breathing I was still tense in my jaws in my shoulders so really I'm still tense and then relax and I do this I'll talk about the integration part what I got it from my life now but that's really powerful um, okay so that's uh, basically the most intense part are the first two three hours of the experience and then as you go down from the trip you get more grounded you get your mind back it's less intense and you enter that very beautiful place which is um it's a bit like putting your your boots after skiing you know you've been cold you're like ah then you're back to that more familiar comfortable environment and, and then um, we start sharing, we start singing. So there was a question and uh, I think it was Michael and he asked, is it true that the shaman kind of um, dictates the experience with, uh, with songs? Well, the shaman, the shaman is going to sing, there's going to be a lot of instruments and sometimes it's gonna be silent. So 
um, the thing is you become your environment you have less sense of self and you become the other person you also become the music sometimes so um so yes the answer is yes it's very important to have someone that puts the right setting the right environment and it's done a lot through music and chanting and it's beautiful and so when you go down from the more intense experience uh, then you get your mind a bit back and but you still feel very connected with everything that is and so let's say for example one person is going and you very you're more intuitive you don't really have all these narratives in your head that prevent you from being the amazing person you are so you'd have for example the person next to you that starts singing and that person has never dared to sing in public and suddenly she's doing it you know and it's like so beautiful and you start crying 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 tears of of how beautiful it is to hear because that person doesn't dare to sing usually. And it's such a liberate because of judgment, you know? And it's such a liberation, the person's singing with, with their heart. And, and you f because you tune into the person's consciousness, yeah, because sometimes you're you into the other person's consciousness or into the consciousness of a thing. And so you, you be in that consciousness. And so you feel that liberation as if you were the person and you share that with the person. And it's so beautiful that you just have like huge tears of unconditional love and compassion. And then you have it for someone else, but then you'll have it for yourself too. Like say I started singing and feeling that liberation and that no judgment. I was like, wow, this is so good. And people sharing that with me and tuning into my vibe when I tune into there. And, and you're like, you're just oneness. And the feeling is amazing. And, and you can, I, I bring that to my everyday life now. It's, that's why it's not just like tripping on this. But so you have this with other people. Um, yeah, I had, I had like, you know, people who, who died in my life, who visited me. I had like friends, obviously uh, my mother, because the mother, and then you have so much gratitude for life, for the people who give you love around me, around you, uh, the people, uh, the very person who gave you life, you know, your parents and, and, um, and uh, you, you're like, and, and you're like, you're communicating with them in a way and be like, oh, I love you so much. I love you crying so much. And it's like, it's so beautiful. It's like an expansion of your heart. That's like, wow, wow. <laughs> so yeah, and sometimes you become the sound too. So there was a gong and, and you become the sound, like you merge into that. It's like, that's really probably the hardest part to describe, but it's so beautiful. So. Okay, I don't want to keep it too long, so now I'll finish with the integration part because it's not just about tripping, at least to me. It is about what I got out of it and um, yeah, what I got out of it because these are all, to me, it's like the mother is teaching you things about life, about how you can live your life and, um, you know, to a certain extent you create your reality. So. It's not that this was tripping and then you go back to reality. My, I, I was joking with a few friends lately that my life has become a psychedelic trip. And obviously that's an exaggeration, but um, you know, you can feel unconditional love a lot in your life. You can be one of the most grateful person. You can tune into people's consciousness in your everyday life. Like, if you have so much compassion when someone tells you something, you can tune into people's vibe. You can be very aware of your energy and you can feel your energy and other people's energy. 
And probably, I don't know if you can do it the way I felt it under the substance, but you can do it to a certain extent. So um, also coming back to my breath, relaxing. These are things I do all the time now. So I'll walk in the street or now I'm do, recording this. I feel tense. I'll be like, okay, I'm tense. Relax, relax. And then I'll be more grounded. I'll be more calm. I'll be delivering my message better doing this. Um, so, so yeah, looking into these learnings. So for me, the learnings were like, relax, relax, uh, breathe, use your breath to relax and go back to that place when you don't feel grounded. Uh, other learning was like, you don't have to over identify with the mind. You don't have to go, uh, you know, like your shadows there. You want to have awareness, but don't make it a fetish practice to go into it that much. Um, look into it when it's relevant and when you feel it holds you back. And um, really, I came back from it with that grounded warrior's mindset. Warrior in a way that, um, um, you know, it's, it's just become easier to take my cold showers, to, do, um, to feel like, you know, whatever life throws at me, I can hand handle it, that I'm strong and grounded in a way that, um, yeah, I, I came back being like, okay, I've done this experience. I haven't lost my mind. I actually feel very grounded doing this. That means that I must be very grounded because it's hard to be grounded after that. Integrating that, that good is, is hard. So to me, it's like it was a test a bit and I passed the test. So I was really happy about that and I feel really good about myself since then. I'm a little bit physically tired because you don't sleep as much. So that can be a bit of a, a, the risk, but like, to me, it's a lifetime experience. That's something that changes my life. So I can be tired for a few days after it's fine. And I don't intend to redo it in the next few months even, you know, that's not the kind of things you want to do too much. But um, yeah, and, and I came back really being like, so you have another expansion on how much you're shaped by your beliefs. So I work a lot. That's why I do so much gratitude, so much meditation is like, I really every day go back to that grounded, calm place where that calm warrior or that king archetype and I decide who I want to be and I implement practices to become that person. And you know, it's pretty simple, but it works and it's rare. People overcomplicate their life. That was one of the insights. Like I was, I was crying all my tears of joy and compassion and love. And, and I was like, life's so beautiful. Life's so simple when you don't overcomplicate it. And, and, and when you're in that state, this is truth. Like you've never felt truth. This is so embodied. But then the work in the integration was like, remind yourself of it you know like every day i do my gratitude being like i don't take i i, I have a glass of water i don't take it for granted it's so beautiful that people built pipe and treat the water so i can turn a tap and drink water first thing in the morning when some people have to walk kilometers to get drinking water like fuck man that's so beautiful and, and we take this thing for granted and then when you see it you're like you're like, okay, through my experience, I was like, I will never ever take these things for granted again. And I will do the, what it takes because it makes life so beautiful to not take these things for granted. So that's, um, yeah, one of the things, I, some of the things I got from it. So you see, it's quite a lot and it's pretty cool. But um, one of the things too is um, uh, as you go through the integration process, you can have insights like a, a year later or two years later, you know, like 
things in your life are going to trigger insights but it's still there it's in your head and um and yeah so so it's it's beautiful but why you have to to take it seriously is like it's a bit like if you've seen inception you know they go in the dream to plant a seed in the unconscious that's going to trigger everything then in the person's life well here it's a bit the same you go in that state where every seed you plant in your head at that time is going to grow so if you plant a seed that you know life is beautiful and there's so much love it's good because it's gonna you're gonna build your life around it and it's gonna make your life beautiful but be careful because you're really in that place where you plant a seed in your head yeah and that's very powerful in your unconscious i mean it's conscious but then during your life as you've planted it, it's going to be more unconscious right because it's a lot of this work is about raising thing to your consciousness working on it making it back to your unconscious in the way you want it to be and here you do it in a challenging environment and very fast very very fast because uh, you're in a place of long like you uh, you do it in a weekend basically what could take 10 years or 15 years if you were doing stand-up psychotherapy right so you gotta see if it's right for you to go at that pace too right yeah um so yeah but expecting more downloads and um and i'm gonna wrap it up now uh i know some of you like the science behind it too so just very quickly on it when you take psychedelics what happens is in your brain you have something called the default mode network and that's like uh, connections in your brain that tell you who you are and that makes conclusions so it can be good ones like it can help you uh, handle life and and make decisions fast but if you're racist for example that's that's the link in your brain that says like black equals bad or something like this right so it can be good sometimes when you have those automatic behaviors to shut them down a bit and that's exactly what you do on the long term with meditation but in a very short term that's what psychedelic does so if you put someone that had psychedelic in an fmri looking at the brain and the brain activity basically that default mode network is shut down and completely new connections uh, are created so uh, that's why you feel like you lose your identity is like you actually your mind is completely different and you create new pathways which is very powerful so again uh, what happens in your brain neuroscientifically is at the same time very powerful and you want to be careful with it because it changes your brain it changes your brain and creates new connections so you want to make sure those connections you create are the ones you want to you consciously create them with the right intention that's why set and settings are so important if you take it and you're freaked out it can traumatize you that's why it's not good to to take when you're drunk or if you've had other things well if you go there with your intention that's who i want to be i'm going to work on myself to become that person i want to accelerate that process in the right environment that's an amazing tool i think again i i don't recommend it because i think you only do it if you're drawn to it like i would not recommend it because it can be dangerous it can be uh traumatizing and a lot of people do it the wrong way but I don't give any advice but personally i do it the way i explained with the preparation i explained and for me i feel it's very beneficial so that was my experience and um yeah that was really interesting for me to talk about it too like to sharing these things always good if you have questions i'm very passionate about this topic 
it's um it's a uh, it's a tough topic but it's a really interesting one like it's quite polarizing too but yeah i love talking about it so uh for me it was a good experience but again like uh, I, I, it's not something you recommend you know it's like um, i think it's always good to educate yourself so again i can send you more articles and ted talks about it education and awareness is always good then uh, i know a lot of um a lot of my spiritual inspiration advice against it like for example osho uh, advice against it uh, tom knowles i know has a podcast where he talks about, with james fadiman he talks about it but he never did it and his point is that um, he's all the time in a psychedelic state that if he was to take his consciousness and put it in a like normal person they'd be like fuck i'm tripping balls and um uh, which makes sense so so yeah there's like um but his point is because it, it's a bit too much at one point so like for me i feel like i can handle it and i always want to go fast and i'm curious so it works for me but uh obviously like if i were to recommend something to look into your mind it's meditation right it's smoother and uh, they work well in combination but one i think is for everyone another one is not for everyone so thank you so much for listening to this i hope it was interesting if you have questions yeah let me know and um if you want to encourage me and that podcast i have a page on patreon so i have the link on unlocked.me podcast if you want to give um, do a contribution even if it's a dollar a month it really helps me to to share all this free content that i think is very helpful for people as i told you these things really help me and i really want to help so thank you and have an amazing day or night have a beautiful beautiful time and remember that life is beautiful that we don't want to take things for granted and love is all around us and it's only about us seeing it much love guys Thank you for listening to this episode and as you could hear i'm quite passionate about this topic and please do not hesitate to share the episode if you feel like it could be of interest for some people around you